This is a conversation with Josh Hamilton. Josh is a really, really top bloke. He's a Kiwi. He does shag sheep, but we don't hold that against him. Uh, he's one of the coaches here at JCF, and he's just a really, really high-level dude. The reason why I wanted to get Josh on here, he just has a really cool perspective on something called the hero's journey. I won't go too much into it, but it's about the pathway to success that most men travel. And in this, we go through and we discuss some of the common issues that blokes face, how we can overcome them, and some of the reasons why we are the way that we are and why in society we have some of the issues that we do. I hope this helps you out. Let's buckle on in. This is going to be a really cool interview. So, mate, tell us about the hero's journey. Hey, bro. Like, well, it's a bit of a long one itself. Like, it started years ago. A guy um, introduced me to the whole thing. Like, I had to educate myself on what even was the hero's journey and then how did it apply to me and then how did it apply to, one, the world that I live in and then the clients that I work what with What is well. the hero's journey as you define it? For me, I define it as the ability to listen to what's going on in your own heart and then the courage to like take the steps to make those things happen. When like, you say like listen to what's going on in your own heart, like what are you referring to specifically? It's like that's really it's a good question because it's something that is often scary. It's something we don't often hear. And it's clouded by so many things going on in the world that it's like shit, what what is it that is in my heart? Like it's what we truly want, what we want to achieve what we truly want to become. It's all those things, but they often get clouded. You know, you go through high school, whether it's someone tells you maybe you'll be good at being a doctor. Maybe you'll, maybe they tell you you'll never amount to anything and you're only going to be doing this, this and this and this. So you, it slowly gets covered by a whole lot of things and we we lose that attunement to be able to hear like, you know, that little voice that says, bro, you should be a race car driver. You should be a vet. You should go mentor these guys. You should become a teacher. All those things. and then. We end up not being able to listen to it or we hear it and it's just too fucking scary to take that first step. Why do you feel that we don't listen to it? Because there's a time when you're like, you're a kid, you're like, I want to be an astronaut, I want to be an engineer, like all that. And it, there's a time where it dies. It, why, why does that die? Why do we lose this love for doing fucking awesome stuff that we're passionate about? So I honestly think it comes down to like the simplest thing. And it's not that simple, really, like fear. Like as we get older... Life just naturally gets more serious. We, you know, you look at the difference between the amount of times a kid laughs compared to the amount of time an adult laughs. Like it, it's polar opposites and it's a crazy thing. And what happens is, say so you leave, there's this recipe that we've been following for so long and you're like, okay, sweet. Like if I'm good at school, I go to university. If I'm good at university, I, I try and make as much money as I possibly can. I pick that route. If I'm no good at school, I pick another route and where I come from in New Zealand that I, and I have no idea why this route was taken, but it's like you'll become a, a builder or a plumber or something. They do fantastically. I'm like, why would you not do something like that instead of going to university? That's my thought pattern now. But it's then later on as you go on, you know, you might have kids, you might get a mortgage. It becomes more and more scary to take what what is a perceived risk to go, actually, shit, I, I want to be that astronaut. I want to be that race car driver. I, I want to... I want to be a helicopter pilot or a vet, but it's it's the idea, do I have to start again? How am I going to support my family? How am I going to do the things that I've said that I want to do, whether it's, you know, traveling or finding the girlfriend or whatever it is? And it's like, fuck, do I want to go down that path? Can I? Do I have the courage? Can I take it? Mm, totally. So what was yours? Man, mine was like, 
I was I was lucky in a lot of ways when I uh, I got uh, my I had a big sis, I've got a big sister and my mother put me into a uh, teacher's college didn't put me in but signed me up and I got a I got an interview to go did the interview I probably to this day at the age of eighteen had the best interview of my life they said look mate we see something in you come and come and have a go and I was like well, if you see something these other guys see something I'll, I'll come give it a nudge so I I went to teaching I wouldn't say I had a call to it. I had no idea what I wanted to do, and I had no one, in, no one really in my life at that stage who was like pulling things out of me. Like, what are you passionate about? What do you think you can win at? What do you, what do you love? What are your strengths? Like, what do you want to chase? And none of those were sort of there. It was kind of you just kind of floating by. Like I was very much just cruising, floating by. So I ended up teachers' college and loved it, right? Absolutely loved teaching kids. And then it was I was about. I must have been about 23, 24, and I remember sitting in my classroom back at my old school where I'd, I'd literally gone through myself, and I remember sitting there, I was like, shit, I'm going to be one of these guys that has gone through education his entire life. Now he's a teacher, teaching kids about mathematics and PE and life and never lived it. I never lived a day. How did that feel? Right, like that was crushing, and, and I must admit, one of the biggest things that 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 drove me at that time, like I wanted hot chicks, I wanted fast car, and I wanted big boats. Like that's what I wanted. And it was all the big, important things in life. All the important things, bro. Like all the important things. And I had a book, Winner's Bible, bro. Dr. Kerry Spackman, and I was like, he was talking about how do you visualize stuff, how do you get the reticular activation system going, how do you plan your life forward and stuff. And I remember making a clear file book, and I just went. There's no way I can afford these things on a teacher's salary of 45K a year. I was like, this just ain't going to happen. 45K? So, yeah, yeah. That's not an easy life. Nah, bro. The teacher, if you've got a degree, you've gone to teacher's college and then you've gone that, you've got all that debt, you've got to pay off. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. So you, you, you're sitting on that, you're like, there's no there's no Lamborghini in that, bro. No. <laughs> and oh, I mean, I was lucky, like, still young. So it was all good. I didn't have a family to support or anything like that. But it was definitely that at times, like, how can you sit here and tell kids that life's going to be awesome if they follow their dreams and their strengths and their passions? If you're the guy sitting behind the desk and you've done none of those, like, that's just completely out of alignment. You just, I couldn't do it. So I was a big scare. I still am pretty keen scare. And I'd done a couple of trips overseas while I was at uni. And then um, after that, I was like, I'm out, but I got to leave. Like, I love my job. And I went to my boss and he heard through the grapevine, had a letter, and he goes, is that your letter of resignation? And I said, yeah, yeah, it is, mate. And he goes, I tell you what, rip that up and write a letter for request of leave for a year. And I'm like, what if I'm gone for longer than a year? He goes, I'll extend it. And I was like, it was a pretty big thing. And I went, okay, sweet. Wrote it for a year. Uh, I didn't come back for four years. Like I was gone. I just, uh, I left, I left for the mountains. I left to work on the super yachts. Lots of those things in my, uh, in my vision board of the winner's Bible. What is that like working on super yachts? It is the most, one of the most beautiful things to happen to me in my life because holy shit, like I was working for some of the richest guys in Europe. It was crazy. You know, you start off working for multimillionaires and they, they, you're like, wow, these guys have a lot of money. And then you start working with multi-billionaires. And problems are similar, but the chat's different. The worlds are different. And you're just like, holy shit. And I remember. How was it different? So 
everybody's got problems and you know they all say more money more problems but the guys at multi-millions like we're in the yacht and they'll be like oh maybe we won't go too far because we've got a still you know it's 180 grand to fill up for fuel or whatever we'll just still a bit of cash where the billionaires are like this guy wasn't allowed into the country oh I'll just call the I'll just call the guy down the government and just get him to fly back into my jet or I remember one stage we were racing for the Rolex Cup and uh, uh, this is in like sail yachts. <laughs> hydraulics broke. We were like, Captain was working like all night trying to get his hydraulics. Without him, we're not racing. It's done. Like, you just look like a bunch of idiots. And the, as this is the boss's holiday and you can imagine if you're making billions, like free time ain't that. Ain't a big thing. Like it's, it's pretty small. And so he just ordered his private jet, hired some guys. They jumped on his jet. They flew there that night into Italy fixed it and just flew out and i was like man you just solve problems with money but then you saw the big problem that they were always trying to solve they never had time bro and they never had connection with their family i remember hey josh you know can you take my daughter and teach her how to water ski it's like yeah of course can i had this like they called it the ferrari of the med i got to drive this brand new boat around which was awesome made me look like i had a big dick it was great so yeah, you're cruising you around. do have a big yeah. dick, you got a big dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, makes you feel good, bro. <laughs> and he, I just remember, I took this, I took this young girl, bro, skiing behind the boat, took him past his big boat, and he was on the phone, like he just completely missed the moment. And I thought, what effect did that have on you? The fact that you were spending that time with her instead of him. Oh, just it was the probably one of the biggest blessings I've had. I was like, this is the world you thought you wanted. This is what your goals were. This is what you you strive so hard for. Like when you were a young guy and you thought like boats and money were, were the dream. And I was like, shit, this is just not it. And it's golden handcuffs, bro. Like golden handcuffs. What do you mean you by pay that? good money? You, you pay good money. You live on a boat. Everybody sees you living this dream of cocktails and sunny beaches and all this stuff. But we had a saying, it was like, hurry up and wait. So I I remember doing a, a, did a 22-hour shift once and I was driving my boat to the other side of Greece, so going through the canal, fell asleep at the wheel. Like at night, I already dropped the boss off the big boat and woke up just about hit what's called like a West Cardinal. This is big concrete structure in the water. And I was just like, fuck, what the hell are you doing? Because you're just there until something happens, like you're waiting all the time, but you're always just slightly on, never quite resting, but hurry up because something might happen, but wait. So you, you just, you're attached to this multi-million dollar boat with these golden handcuffs. Like you ain't going anywhere, but luxury life, right? Living the dream. So, so then what did you do after that? Like what, 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 actually, what was the last straw? What was it for you that said, no, nah, fuck this, I'm not going to live this life anymore? Our, um, we had a couple of, um, we had some awesome guys. We had, we had a racing team. From a, from a country, we had a couple of like gold medalists on board. They were such lovely guys. And then there was these other guys, and we grinded like we worked so hard. And these other guys would turn up and just treat us like we were just muppets there. Who were these other guys? Like, like crew or like guys crew to race? Like when we go racing, they're like the crew to race. And this is that. Remember, this is like a home that we're living on. We look after it. We have it in luxury net for the boss to go sailing with his family and his friends and do whatever. And these guys would turn up and they'd just treat us like rubbish. And we're just like, what, what's going on? And then one day, he, um, the captain got the call up and he got fired. Because you can just get fired in like an instance. And um, Why do you get fired? Yacht life, bro. <laughs> like it can just, it just gets happened if you don't 
if the if the management team decide, you know, they're actually going to go with this guy or we're going to try something new or whatever it is, like you don't need any reason. Just, hey, mate, yeah, no, it's not working out. Sweet. Go um, go find another job. You're like, oh, cool. And so um, he was a good mate of ours yeah. and I, we took the job. Fleur, my partner, and I took the job because it was him and we knew we could run a really tight ship, get it and get things done. And um, he left and then we just said, okay, now we're out. So we were in France at the time, went for a bike trip, met my folks, had a great time, and then uh, decided we'd uh, come back to New Zealand. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. And so what did you do when you came back to New Zealand? I went back to teaching. Why? Because I, uh, I missed connection. Like I miss being part of something much greater than me. Like when you're a teacher or, you know, like mentoring space, when you're helping people, you're much greater than just the one. You're part of a whole. And I was like, man, I really want that back. And it was a really interesting time. Like I uh, got into become a boarding hostel master because I really, really wanted to uh, impact young men. It was like my ultimate dream. And I was like, and then I noticed, I noticed something far greater than I didn't realize before. And I was like trapped inside another system to try and get people to follow that heart that I was talking about, to hop in the hero's journey. And I'm like, this system doesn't allow us the hero's journey. School totally does not encourage that at all. School makes you a doctor, an accountant, and a lawyer. I had a great time at school. I had a lot of fun at school and uni. That was fucking wonderful. Went to an awesome school, awesome uni, all that. But it was actually, for me, the thing that got me out of that. Like, I was starting to be a doctor. I still remember it. I was starting to be a doctor and I was coaching this bloke who was obese. His mum was anorexic when he was in the womb. And that fucks kids up, right? That gives them all these issues. I remember the only thing that got me out of following the traditional school, uni, doctor, type path was, which is just totally not for me. Fuck. Like I'm not good with authority, but the only thing that stopped me was this horrible woman trying to diagnose this kid. And and because I was there, she felt very threatened for whatever reason, even though I took him to go fucking see this, this endocrinologist. And I still remember her with no testing at all, telling this like obese, low self-esteem, super anxious kid who's doesn't have any friends, like having a tough go in life. Oh, yeah, by the way, you've probably got a, a, uh, I think it was an adrenal tumor she said he had or something like that off the bat. And I was like, fuck this, I'm going to drop out. There's no fucking way. And that's when I stopped pursuing med. Yeah, it's crazy, huh? Right, so thank God you did, right? Like, it's just a crazy, it's a different world. It makes great accountants and, and things like that. Like, I, I guess Which we need. they make the world go round, right? That's what, that's what they say. And I'm like, that's cool because I'm off trying to pursue my heart and other ways. It's, how, many, uh, how many kids do you feel actually are well served by this current system that you saw? That's interesting because I don't dislike education. I, I dislike some of it. But like you said, what about all the social times? What about all that connecting? What about all those challenges? What about getting bullied in the in the park and then later on that changes you be a, an empathetic dude or helps you help? Like there's so many things that you could never never uh, quantify or measure from an education system but i'd have to say count how many accountants <laughs> like maybe that's how many kids get served it's just uh we miss the boat hugely and the, the crazy thing is is the majority like 95 percent of the teachers i work with massive hearts bro massive arts, pour the hours in, coaching on the after school, coaching in the weekends, trying to get these kids through school who who are so against authority and the formula that they're in that it makes it near impossible for them to enjoy a class or let alone get to school. 
And it's like, dude, like how long until your head cracks from hitting your head against that brick wall? Totally. There's a lot of pessimism there in the end that just the head cracks. Yeah, loads of teachers become super, super over it. And I don't fucking blame them at all. I was a nightmare when I was at school. Jesus, I apologized to every single teacher that had to put up with my shit. Because <laughs> yeah, I was a turd. Not just school, but uni as well. But why do you feel that that we have a system which is set up? It, this, the system clearly works for some people and it's clearly fucking awesome for a lot of them. But when you look back on school, you look back on the time with your friends and the relationships you formed, not on what you learned. Like out of school, like I did pretty well at school. I did English and essays and all that sort of shit and, and maths and, and physics and whatnot. And like I learned all that sort of stuff. Same thing for uni. But the big lessons that I learned, the things that still serve me to the highest level today are social interactions and people stuff. Because in the end of the day, people are really the only thing that matters. Why do you feel that we're still stuck teaching kids to not follow the hero's journey, to not follow their passions and not follow things that they're acting? I'm not talking about this in a Gary V way where you should be like 60 years old selling fucking Pokemon cards in your mother's basement because that's what you're super passionate about, like doing like genuine service to humanity. Like, why do you feel that we're not geared towards that? Why do you feel that in school we learn long division, but we don't learn to figure out what are our most important values? What do we actually want to achieve and what do we want to do with ourselves and create a summit? Yeah, yeah, mate, the summit is king. Like, I think it comes down to like a couple of things. You've got this kind of world that wants something still, like it still craves like the doctors, the this way of thinking, all this. And then there's elements of the world that are changing now, like, I mean, how many times you hear as a young guy, like, you, James, are our future. And I'm like, well, fucking give me the reins then. Give me the skills. Give me the reins. And let me take it somewhere. Not quite ready, for it, bro. You need to pass these tests first. And it's like, what? these tests serve no purpose for what you're saying we need in the future. Yeah, yeah, but first I've got to mould you for the future. I'm like, well, that's pointless. You, you're never going to see a change in the future of the world if you don't change what the mould that you're putting people into here. So it's still, I, I believe, we've got this demand of the world that we're slowly losing through, I would say, scarcity, like massive amounts of fear around scarcity. Like you mentioned. Where does that come from? I, I, I honestly think it's that same thing. If you have a fear and scarcity mindset, how the hell do you ever think you're going to have the abundance and support to follow what's in your heart? You're never going to do that, bro. Like you need you need to keep that scarcity mindset so when you go into life, you, you stay and you continue doing those things. Like, shit, if, if you think you've got everything and you've got all the support in the world, you'll go hunting. Well, that's really the evolution from being a kid into a man is when you lose that fear and you actually develop that. But I remember... When, funny story, I should tell this for, for how for everyone so they know how we met. So we were in um, in Bali when Josh and I met. <laughs> and I was in there having a uh, conversation at my favourite cafe, Banana, the banana, banana Flower Bakery. Remember that place? So good, bro. So, so good. good. The best. Like if you ever go to Bali, you've got to go there. We, I, we fucking kept that place afloat. It's like we would have <laughs> I reckon like thousands at that joint because they have like gluten-free, dairy-free croissants. Like, so how good was the banana flower bakery? Oh my God. That place is amazing. But like, where I met you is when I was bribing that former police, police officer to get me a Balinese driver's license. I don't know if I should really say 
the internet that I was bribing guys, but it's barley. Fuck it. That's what you do there, right? Yeah. I don't think I don't think they call it a bribe though. I think they more call it like a payment for services, just with that government official, right? <laughs> I, met, I, met, I met you there, dude. And um <laughs> which was quite funny. But yeah, but then we the we obviously started chatting. And the one thing that I really liked about you is just that you were like super, super free and you were doing your own thing. But the difference between like where you're at and a lot of the other people who I met with in Bali was that, uh, and, and actually we talked about this too, is we're discussing that a lot of adults these days are kids in a lot of us, are kids in adult bodies. That's what we are. Why do you feel that we're unable, and I fucking live my life, I mean, you could probably argue I'm still a child, right? But a lot of us can't make this transition from being fearful and from having this scarcity mindset and from having a lack of abundance to a stage where we mold, we, we become this adult who is totally not fearless, but has an abundance mindset. Why do you feel that we can't make that shift into becoming a true adult? Fuck, I look around the world and people might crack up at that, but think how attached you are to, to like a belief. Like you'll fucking, people will kill people and start wars over somebody having a difference in interpretation of their belief. And you like, like take Maslow's law, like his hierarchy of needs, and you look at that safety and security part, your beliefs can, can you are those. Maslow's, by the way? Well, it's everyone like, should know this shit. Yeah. So it's like a, you can look at it in a couple of ways. It's like a level of ascension. So you have at the bottom, you have all your basic needs, psychological needs, emotional needs, and they've got to be met in order for you to go up. But it doesn't happen just like, oh, I've completed level one like a computer game. I go into level two. Like even as an adult, you're going to have scars and wounds from a, from a childhood. And people look at parents and they say, you scarred that kid. I'm like, parents do the best that they can do. Kid's going to be scarred anyway. If a kid falls off his bike while you weren't looking because you're busy probably doing life, he might say, oh, Dad doesn't love me because he didn't pick me off the ground when I fell off my bike. That goes into his subconscious. He deals with that shit for the rest of his life, or he does the real work and gets it out, and and you know starts to starts to develop. So at the top of the pyramid, there's like transcendence. Just below that is self actualization. But all through this, there are the beliefs that hold us back from getting to the next level. So if you think like, I mean, you have the whole adult thing is like. I see it as if you're an adult, you can have a conversation with someone who has a different belief than you and not want to put your fist down his throat. That's the difference between an adult and a child. That's literally like a clear cut line of like that kid, as soon as something goes against what he believes or he doesn't get what he wants, will throw his toys. And then the adult goes, oh, yeah, shit, that's a completely different way of looking at it. Like you're, you're one of the greatest guys at this and you teach me this all the time. Josh, be curious. Look at the wonder, like what's going on there? Like, why is that? And I still remember it to this day when you said to me, like, somebody calls you a cunt. Oh, yeah, bro, that's really interesting. Like, why, do, why do you feel like that? And suddenly we're trying to put ourselves in another person's perspective and fully understand like we are trying to convert ourselves to their beliefs because then you're properly actually listening. And then that's what I would call an adult. But we, we can't do that, bro. Hey, I put my hand up, man. I'm like... Should I get angry sometimes? I'm like, you, you're a dick. Like, why do you even think that that is a possibility? And then I go, okay, that's interesting, bro. Like, why Why do you think that? Why, why is that a possibility? And, and to me, that is kid versus an adult. And shit, mate, if you find adults around the place, tell me. Because holy moly, it's it's hard to find, man. It's hard. Oh, 
So how do you recommend we start instead of, because that's really responding versus reacting to a situation. Fuck, spend two minutes on social media and it's it's hilarious, like absolutely hilarious. One little life hack I've got for everyone. So I obviously cop a heap of shit on social media all the time, like all the time. And it's pretty funny. Like it's quite amusing because I think if someone has enough time to click on my shit, then leave a comment and then expect me to write back to it. Like, bro, what do you got on your life? Like, I genuinely want to know what you're doing because I can't relate to that at all. I'm way too busy. I'm doing too much cool shit to be bothered about what up some numpty that I don't give a shit about and I disagree with on social media says. One thing, the coolest life hack I've ever had is whenever somebody says you're a cunt, you're a dick, you're this, you're that, you're uh, nice this and puts a negative put down on, the best reply is that's a really interesting thing to say. Can you tell me more about that? And you watch these people expecting this like really negative, uh, gross like response back and you you give them that like curiosity and asking them a question and you see it like flip their brain and it like totally confuses them. And it's like my favorite one is where someone will be like ragging on me like a whole hit heap and I'll just ask them that question and it'll be like radio silence. It's like nothing. As like this person has just gone back into pondering. I'm like, I've got you twice. Number number one, eat shit for looking like a dickhead because I've just owned you by being totally nice. And number two, your brain is now frazzled because you've had to think, why am I such a fuckwit? It's the most hilarious thing. So for you, like obviously you've coached a hot out like a heap of dudes through this and like you've had to work through it on your, on your, fuck, we all have to work through it. But like what's the easiest way or what's the best place to start for us to become more curious and become more adult-like and to be more open to criticism and to not be so defensive when somebody does talk shit on us? The quickest way is the hardest way. If you're a man, and you were lucky enough to have a woman in your life, like uh, Jordan Peterson actually explains this the best and when he talks about Adam and Eve. He's like, woman, bring self-consciousness to men. Like that was that was Eve taking the apple and going, hey, Adam, bro, bite this. Adam goes, oh, yeah, and then suddenly he goes, holy shit, I'm naked. Man, my penis isn't as big as I was hoping. You're there, I'm really embarrassed. Instantly, woman brings him self-consciousness. But if you watch in a relationship as well, when you get angry, at your missus, that is the trigger. That is the time to be like, holy shit, I'm angry. That is the best piece you'll be given to say something in your beliefs is fucking with you right now because it's not her. It's not her, bro. Like, it's you. And it goes both ways. Don't get me wrong. No female's perfect. No male's perfect. The girl gets the same. She's angry at him. It isn't his shit that she's dealing with. Yeah, he might have been a cop. But it's the same sort of belief that you're running in your system. So how I do any work with anybody, it's like if you've ever, you guys, man's weekend, pottery. Like pottery is such an awesome thing because you have clay and you get to create something and mold something. And beliefs and things are the same because what people do, and, and mate, I put my hand up about this, like we run away from tension. So let's say, let's say you owe someone money. And you fucking, so so instead of like calling them up and going, bro, I don't have the money right now, or you see them in the street, you're like, fuck, I'll just cross the road and take another turn. You run away from this tension after tension after tension. You run away from it all the time. And you can never create something unless you have tension. You can't make a pot without clay. So tension is your clay. So when I'm coaching someone, I'm always looking for like, okay, bro, I'll just ask them straight up, where did you run away from tension this week? 
where'd you go? And then be like, oh, I was angry with the missus. And I just let, I just let the tension out with a whole bunch of anger. That's you technically running away from teaching. You didn't sit in it. And like we see a massive amount with responsibility. People who who have unfortunately developed or been gifted a, a bad money mindset and they just blow cash left, right and centre because what they do is they go, you know what, fuck, there's too much tension in here for me to hold on to this money or deal with these bills. It's too much responsibility to be this adult that I need to be. Fuck it. I'll just get rid of it. I'll spend it. I'll, I'll get rid of this money. Oh, being broke is so much easier. Like there's just no tension here. Like I have to That's deal a, with it. That's a super interesting point. So why is it that, that being broke is more comfortable? Because we fucking see this all the time. I can't tell you how many business, like guys I know who are super, super successful in business and do really well. And they do this thing where they'll go and they'll make a fucking shitload of money. And then they'll buy a lot of cocaine. They'll <laughs> buy a lot of cocaine and they'll do shitloads of it. And they'll bender and they'll drink and they'll cheat on their wife and they'll go through and these dudes and they, they have this and it's like this repeating cycle. And then they'll go broke, straighten everything out, get successful again. And it's just like, it's this like looping cycle, like over and over and over, like super talented, really brilliant, extremely smart guys who have a lot to give. We go through this same thing over and over and over again. So what is the, like, where does this relationship with money come from? Why is that, that subconsciously, and actually, even if you could explain that too, what do we mean when we're subconsciously more comfortable being broke than having money? We get given things all our lives. Like we're, we're programmed with the most amazing computers ever because we can get programmed and like, boom, you're done. As a kid, it happens all through. You, you, the old saying, like, give me a boy from the ages to zero to seven, I'll show you the man. Like it happens with money. So you might have grown up and it's like, look, buddy, can't have that. Money just doesn't grow on trees. Like, oh, look at that dickhead in his Lamborghini. Like what a rich prick. Boom, boom, boom. Money's hard to get. Dickheads only have money. Like it goes, it goes, it goes. You know, it happens with men who who treat women poorly. Like they're like, oh, women are always shit to men and rah, rah, rah. So they go around, they might become a womanizer or whatever it is, vice versa. So we just have this unconscious belief that sets us up on that path. So and we're money, continually creating these micro beliefs around all these things. Always, yeah. And then you get, and then like the, for the guys who make a whole bunch of money, you have you have this nice set point in your life where you feel most comfortable. Like you're just cruising. It's like, you know, that calorie surplus where, you know, if you eat something all of a sudden, you feel cruisy. Like why, why would I need to go hunting if I've got all these extra calories? I don't need to hunt anything. I'm looking sweet, man. Like I'm, I'm chill here. There's no need to change. When you get a whole bunch of money and say you're used to having 5K in your account, that's that's your set point. Like that's you, your set point's there. Some people used to have $100, $5, whatever it is. They're like, there's me, I'm comfy. They get 100 grand. And the first things they'll do, they'll be like, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll invest it. I'll do this, I'll do that. I'll be like, you're just finding your fastest way back down to your set point. That's all you're doing. It's the fastest possible way where you subconsciously feel most at ease, most comfortable. Like if I have money, I got responsibility. Maybe I'll be seen as a prick driving that Lamborghini. I don't want that. I don't want to piss people off. My family might like reject me. My mum, shit. What if my mum rejects me because she was the one that told me that you know rich guys are the, are the dickheads? Man, can't do that as a boy. Like, that would be the worst thing ever. So that leads us down the path of continuing to be broke and giving it to the guys at the top who who have a different mindset. 
But you can't, if you've got a broke friend or a broke person, the worst thing you can do is give them a whole bunch of money. Teach a man to fish, right? Eats for a day. Uh, give a man a fish, eats for a day. Teach a man to fish. Rest of his um, life. Say that over and over. Like when somebody wins the lotto, like don't, don't they normally go broke again, like within a year or something like that? Some it's, crazy start. It's mental. It's just mental. Sad. Really? Really so how do sad. we change those beliefs? It's, like I said, you've got to use those moments in your life where your feelings show up for you. Your feelings are so awesome. They're not you, for one, but they are such an awesome What do you mean smile. by that? Your feelings aren't you. Oh, i got a great example. Like, okay, say two kids are having a fight, right? Little Timmy and little Scott. And Scott smacks Timmy over the head or calls him a name or something. And parent or somebody sits him down and goes, Scott, what you, what you did to Timmy wasn't wasn't very nice. You you, you hurt him. And um, how are you feeling, Timmy? Oh, I'm feeling really upset and feeling sad. See, Scott, look how you made Timmy feel. And it's like, hang on, mate. Fuck, don't get me wrong. These are kids. So it's a little different. But I'm like, Scott didn't make him feel that way. Tim chose to feel that way. That's his responsibility of his feelings. But we disempower them straight away. We say, other people are in control of your feelings and your feelings are you. It's like, hang on. I can choose how to feel. I can do that in any moment of any day and I can use whatever skills I have or movement or whatever. But then your feelings, people say, I am angry. Fuck, last time I checked, I'm Josh. Like, Or if you go further back, like people go into the real spiritual world and they go, well, maybe I'm all. Shit. To really trigger people, you go, shit, maybe I'm God. And they go down, you can go down that rabbit hole. But you're certainly not angry. Like, you're certainly not anger. You're certainly not happy. You're certainly, like, you are not those things. And, but you can use them as, as signs to be like, stop, something's going on here. How is this attached to the beliefs that I have? And it works both sides. We forget to do it when we're exuberant and happy. I fell in that trap. I used to be, and I, I still am, a pretty positive dude but I was attached to my positivity. I thought if I wasn't positive, what value do I have to add to the world? Fuck, that crushed me. Oh, yeah, that I remember that. Me. I remember when mm. I was like super depressed. I was like, no, no, I have to smile all the time because I'm the smiley guy. I'm yeah. always really happy. Like I can't be pissed off. I can't be angry. Like I'm not allowed to do this because this is who I am. I am happy all the time. Therefore, even when I'm sad, I must be happy. Yeah. So it's, it, and, and it goes back to that. Like if you were lucky enough to have a partner in your world, like they, they'll reflect to you all the time shit that's going on for you. And, and whether you choose to do the work or not, you either choose to do the work or you'll choose to get divorced. <laughs> Those are your options. Like that's what happens. Two thirds of people choose to get divorced, right? Why is the work so tough? Why, why is it easy to go through a divorce and go through a work? Is it, is it that we don't know how to do it? We're not shown how to do it. There's no system for it. Is we don't want to do it in, in your opinion from what you've seen? Bro, it sucks to put up your hand and go, my bad. Like that was my fault. I am wrong. I was wrong. Like, nobody wants to do that. Two-thirds of the population so don't. Because then we have to deal with our ego. And we're perfect when if we're just coming from our ego place, we can't do no wrong. So you mm-hmm. shatter that and we walk around as that. Like we walk around as our ego. We walk around with that mask on. Like suddenly you put a crack in that. It's not going to look look so good. I was reading um, The Power of One by Eckhart Tolle, like a really, really cool book, like uh, just, just recently. And I'm still, it's one of those books that I continually read. I read that, I read The Tao Te Ching, I read Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, like pretty much just nonstop, like yeah. over and over again on repeat. One of the coolest things that I heard out of that is that with the ego and with the way that we think ourselves and we believe in ourselves, 
For the ego to admit fault means total destruction of that ego. So therefore, the ego will never actually want to admit that it's wrong because the moment we do that, the ego itself has to disintegrate. And we have this attachment with that little voice in our head, right, saying this little voice in our head is us, not the actual more, without being too woo-woo, the more spiritual, I like the the, the being, the inner yeah. being, as Eckhart would refer, refer to it, or the Tao or whatever, the Logos, whatever it is you want to call, to, call, call it. But there's a real attachment to this ego that we have and we've never been shown how to get rid of it. I mean, you see the coolest people in life. Well, for me anyway, I look at the coolest people ever are the ones without ego who are totally humble and are just authentically them. And the most broken, the most damaged, and the guys who have the most issues are the ones with massive amounts of ego. I used to be an absolute fuckwit, and I can still be a massive fuckwit now too. Like it still comes up and far from perfect. But I remember that back then, the times where I was the biggest prick, where I was most stubborn, where I was most arrogant, where I was most ego-driven, self-centered was also the time where I was the most broken. And it was this interesting thing is that when that I started meditating more, when I started doing more breath work and I've become more of a hippie, right? And I went through that, this, this sort of transformation. Some people call it a rebirth. I wouldn't call it that, but this change and this developing from a child into an adult. A child is the development of ego. You're born as a baby, you develop your ego, which is a key point of growing up. And then as an adult, you have to shed that ego to fully develop, right? And for me, I found that once the ego started becoming much less prominent in my life, it still exists, definitely, but much less prominent, things got easier. But I went about it probably the totally wrong way because it took me a very, very long time. So how would you guide somebody? How do you guide guys to help become more humble and to soften the sound of that ego so that they can just be the most awesome, authentic selves? Yes, yeah. That's awesome, bro. Like, it's a it's a fun journey, bro. Like, I'm, I'm stoked you've you've enjoyed it. It's not always the it's not always the nicest to be in it at the time, but you're like shit. You sometimes come that out sucked. the other side. <laughs> bipolar, bipolar was fun. It was pretty fun on the highs, but the lows weren't terribly good. Oh man! And it we've all got summits. Like the greatest thing I love about the crew, like you, the crew at JCF, and how. You focus on people's summits because, again, summit creates tension and then you've got clay to build a life out of. And what I really focus on with people, we're, we're very orientated focus, uh, goal focus in terms of like, take me, for example, when I was younger, the Lamborghini. And until I've achieved the Lamborghini, I'm not really worth anything. Mm. So it's this, there's always this massive gap between like, here's the goal, here's where I am. And even if I've made it to here, I'm like, you're still a piece of shit, mate you know we're close because I'm always measuring this. I'm always measuring the gap. And so what I just started to change with people, how do we kind of objectify how you're being? So I use archetypes for, especially for men, like the king is such an incredible archetype for us men because when we always talk to people about Lord of the Rings and like they see the king who's under the spell and the people are freaking dying, they're fighting, there's no food growing, relationships and everything. The, the castle is just falling to pieces. And then he pulls the, the spell out of this, I think Gandalf pulls the, the magician pulls the spell off this king and he suddenly embodies what it is to be a true king. And to be a true king, everything flourishes. Relationships flourish, families flourish, communities flourish. So what do you mean when you're talking about archetypes? So archetypes gives us like a structure to 
base ourselves on who we are being. So when I ask somebody, okay, let's say you want to be a leader, and I ask them, okay, what are all the things a leader is being in their life, and and where are they too much, and where are they too little? So like, so like the ideal identity of a particular yeah. character. Yeah, because we can we can fully, you know, people call it the ego death, but if you don't have an ego, how do you say I love you? Where's the I if there's no ego? So it, well, it, ego is Latin for I. Yeah. So it's it's so it's such an important aspect of it, but we've got to learn to love the aspects of that ego, the dark sides of it, the narcissist, the things that hates seeing other people succeed. And you've got to learn to embrace those and bring them. And I always call it, you know, bring it into your heart space. It's like I always do that kind of work to to kind of to see something in my mind's eye. I'm a very visual person. I need to see those aspects coming in and being welcomed. So they're all they're all equal. In my life. Why do then, you welcome them as opposed to shut them out? I always use the child analogy, bro. Like, let's say, you know, you've got that golden gap again and you're kicking yourself on the ground because you haven't hit your KPIs and your things like that. And so you take that shit home with you and ruin a few other things. If you did the same and you watched a kid like riding his bike down the road, like your kid riding a bike down the road falls over, scuffs his knee, do you walk over and just start kicking that kid while he's down? Not unless you're a dick. (laughs) Exactly. You would never do that. You you just, you would never walk over and start kicking that kid while he's on the ground. Depends how many times you woke up the night before. (laughs) (laughs) This this could be the case. Maybe you just walk the other direction and just kind of let it bleed for a little bit. But it's the sage old story. And then I asked the other question. I'm like, okay, then if you look after him, at what age is it, is it a good idea to stop a kid from learning to walk? Like at what age? And You'd be a terrible human if you ever stopped a kid from trying to learn to walk. You just wouldn't do that. So how can we can see that outside of ourselves and then inside of ourselves when we screw up, when we see a piece of ourselves lashes out in a way that we would not normally act, we then beat ourselves up. We just, and, and man, beat ourselves up. The cocaine, the 10 grand in a weekend. They're like, literally, you can imagine yourself as a meat sack on the ground and you're just laying into that guy. And it's not until that you can love those aspects of yourself and actually pull them in and become a whole person that you can then go, okay, cool. Like, how was I being this week? Like, let's forget the the normal goals. If I look back on the week, how was I being? Was I being supportive because I want to be this king or this leader? Okay, cool. Was I being curious? Oh, one to 10, was I? No, probably a two. What could I do better in order to be more curious? What could I do better to be more supportive? How can I embody that more? And then you bring everything that's, you know, in the back of the subconscious to your forefront and you're like, man, I, I could have been more supportive if I had done this. Okay, can I schedule that? Can I create a KPI on that? Probably. I can make it really clear in order what I need to do and I can put that in my calendar. I so instead of being calendar. obsessed with being perfect and saying, I've done everything right, we turn, we turn back into the student. Yeah. yeah. And we begin, we, we begin to learn more, learn and learn and learn relentlessly. Which ironically is what I think it's master and guru both mean is that they're someone who studies continually, right? Master and guru. Something along those lines. Yeah. I think it was master or guru. I can't remember which one, but it's one of the two. Right? It's the same sort of sentiment is that when you truly master something and you truly know something, it means that you're truly a student of it. And yeah, it makes perfect sense. And then, that I mean, right. yeah, like I've always interested, again, wanted to have, like I want to have this, this, and this, and this. And then how many people finish a day and like with a tick box 
And the day is only feels good as how many things they ticked off their list. Like this is a, a I don't want to sound sexist by any means, but I watch like incredible mums and everything that in my world. And it's like, they got that list, bro. Like, it's like, how was your day? It was a good day. I got a lot done. I'm like, cool. Okay. Have we, if we look, if we flip it and go, okay, let's not worry about the haves. Like I've got to have this house. I've got to have that, whatever it is. Let's worry about the do's and the be's and let's start at B. So let's start with being something that we want to be because then you're going to be happy with that. And then what is that person who's being, as I said, with the king, what does he do? What are some of the things he do? And then you can have that tick box and we can still get that little dopamine hit, you know, because we love addicted to that dopamine. Love it. Dopamine's Um, good. So it's cocaine, funnily enough. Funnily enough, eh? Not, that, not like, that I'm allowed to say that publicly. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know, sure, sure, it has its ups and downs. Yeah, yeah, more downs than ups, but yeah. yeah. So it's like sweet. So you, you create, you know, we, we train ourselves like kids or train ourselves like dogs, and you use those little things. You got your bees, you got your do's, and the haves take care of itself. Piece of puss. You don't need to worry about the haves anymore. Just focus on the bees and the do's. Haves take. Take care of everything else. This has been a really cool chat. Yeah, right. Thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it, mate. Appreciate it. Really, really fucking cool. So really to to wrap it up and to finish on something like actionable, like really, really super actionable, we're all in our own way. We all want to embark on our hero's journey. We all want to do – we're all chasing, chasing fulfillment, whether it's through being fucking loaded whether it's through banging a heap of chicks, whether it's through having some form of whatever we view as success, how do you suggest that we can all start on our own hero's journey to get to what we really want? What are the first things that we should do if we wanted to embark on that journey? Start with like, who do you really want to be? Start with that. Because the challenges that happen on the way for when you're on your hero's journey are intense. And if you don't have a guide, you don't have a mentor and you don't have that understanding of who you want to be, like you'll just fall off. I mean, we call it the compass. You've got to have your values. You've got to have who who you're going to be on this journey because otherwise you just, the wagon wheels will always just peel off and you'll forget why you were doing something. So when it comes to moving forwards, pick first who do you want to be and then start working on, okay, what do I want to achieve for this greatness that I have in me? What are the things that I'd love to achieve? And there's the audacious goal, like there's the massive goal. The hero's journey never finishes, never finishes. You, you, you're in the conscious world, you go into the unconscious world, you meet your mentor, you know, Gandalf was the wizard. You go through, you have the death where you've got to sacrifice the old you most of the time. You got to go, shit, I, I got to make some big life choices here. Like, am I going to stay in this relationship? Am, am I going to keep my CEO job? What am I called to? And then you come out the other side with these brand new gifts and knowledge and you've got to go, holy shit, it's one of the hardest parts. Like everybody thinks the death is the hardest part, but bringing that knowledge, that new you into the conscious world, the world that you existed in before, that shit's scary. And if you haven't got someone holding your hand, you get lost. Look at the idea of like the hippie world, you get lost over there or the other world where you just, you never come back. And they're like, what happened to, what happened to James? Jesus, he's just disappeared off the face of the earth but you of all people have an amazing mentors in your life to come back but it's pick who you want to be 
and then use that, embody that to go on and start listening to like, okay, what are the things that I want to achieve in my life? Let's get something filmed up, dude. Let's do it. Let's do it this week, and we'll put it with this podcast so the guys can learn like more if if they want more about the hero's journey and like almost a step by step to begin that path on becoming who you actually want to be and living a really totally fulfilled life. Let's do it. Yeah, sounds good, bro. Sounds awesome. Fuck yeah, done deal, man. Thanks for coming on, bro. It was awesome. Welcome, man. Love it. Absolutely love having a chat with you, bro. Oh yeah, we'll do it again soon. Sweet brother. We'll catch you later. Thanks, brother. Bye. I hope you enjoyed the video. If you got something out of it and you want to learn more, click the link below or type in High Performance Conversations with James Can, and you'll be able to check out all the podcasts that we've done. We cover a stack of different topics, everything from getting your mojo back, overcoming anxiety, self-doubt, self-esteem, and learning from some of the industries and some of the world's top performers in both business and in health. Look forward to having you on there.